0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. This is Albert Hardy, your host. Today I want to take you to the 13th chapter of Mark. This is kind of a parallel account to Matthew 24 and Luke 21, but I want to draw your attention for several reasons. I want to make some predictions that may shock you. You probably have never heard them before unless you've listened to my podcasts, but I got to tell you. I got to tell you what I think, and uh, I pray about these podcasts every single time, and I ask God to show me what to say, and I don't want to be superstitious about it, but I do feel that God is motivating me and inspiring me and teaching me so that I can help people, and that's what I love to do. And even though these are very sobering um, issues that we're going to talk about today, we, we need to be prepared. We really, truly need to be prepared. We need to be ready for Christ's return. And he is coming back, and that's the really good news. We long for his appearing, and he is going to return as he said he would. He's no liar. He's no liar. He's a truth teller, and he wants us to be ready. It says that we, the church, have made ourselves ready. So let's be doing that. And here's how we do it. We stay up on situations um, like what happened in Syria today with the uh, chemical weapons that have now destroyed more human lives. These are terrible times, and they're going to get a lot worse before the return of Christ. So let's go to uh, the thirteenth chapter of Mark Starting in verse five, take heed lest any man deceive you or lead you astray. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus was answering them. For many, the verse six, shall come in my name, saying I am Christ, and deceive many. Is that happening? Yes. It most certainly is. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be troubled, for such things must needs be. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are all the beginnings of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my name's sake, and for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Well, what is the gospel? I dare say that the church doesn't have a clue what the gospel is. You never hear it. What do you hear? You hear about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, that he was raised again the third day. And while that's true, that's only the beginning of the story. He's returning as conquering king of kings to take over the entire world Government, a one world government, and this time not in the hands of men, but in the hands of God Himself. He will be here and live among us. Now, that to me is the best news anybody could tell me. That's exactly what we need. That's the real good news. That's the real gospel. Now, verse 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you at that time, in that hour, that speak. For it is not you that speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son. And children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. That has happened, but not to the frequency I believe he's referring to here. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall endure... To the end, the same shall be saved. So we must endure through whatever comes our way. And that is not easy. Verse 15. No, verse 14. But when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it doesn't belong, then let them... Which are in Judea, flee to the mountains. Now, where might that be? Um, My guess is on the temple. They've got to build a temple first. Jesus can't come back until then and have prophecy fulfilled. And you hear it all the time. Preachers are deceiving people when they say that he could come back at any minute. No, no, no. He can't come back today. He can't come back tomorrow, next week, or probably next year. Now, am I limiting God? Hardly. He's on a different timetable than we are. And he's doing what he wants when he wants. So it's not up to me to limit him. He limits me and all of us. But he's in control. I'm not. We're not. You're not. Your pastor is not. Verse 15. Let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house and neither enter therein to take anything out. Let him that is in the field not turn back again to take up his garment. In other words, run. Verse 17. But woe to them that are with child and that give suck in those days. And pray that your flight be not in the winter, for in those times shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created unto this time, and neither will it ever be again in the future. And except that the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh would be alive wouldn't be saved, alive. This isn't talking about a spiritual salvation, but a survival question. Will you survive? Will you be saved and alive on the other side? But for the elect's sake, whom he has chosen, he's the one doing the choosing, not us. He has shortened the days. And then, if any man say unto you, Lo, here's Christ, or, Lo, he's there. Don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets shall arise and show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the very elect. But take heed, behold, I have foretold you these things. Why? To prepare us, to get us ready. Verse 24, But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light. The stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. Now, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let's find out what this means. Let's go to Revelation 9-2 and take a look. Let's... And I'm referring to verse 24. In those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened. Okay, what's going to darken it? That's crucial. Let's find out. So we go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 9, and verse 2. And here's what it says And he opened the bottomless pit. What's in that pit? Well, we'll find out. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. Huh. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Okay, so what have we learned? We learned that there's a big, bottomless pit. And it's got something in it that's on fire. And what could that be? Hmm, I wonder. Well, what would make big billows of smoke? Black smoke would darken the skies. That makes sense. It says the sun and the air. This isn't talking about a little cloud. This is talking about the world. It's going to block off the sun And the air was darkened. Wow. I mean, this is a lot of air. The world turns. You can imagine the oil fields in Saudi Arabia, let's say, and in Israel, and in Jordan, and in uh, Iraq and Iran, and and, um, Oman, and the UAR, and... All over, that whole Middle Eastern region is full of oil. Oil isn't fossil fuel. Let's get that straight. It's abiotic. It is made by the earth. But you say, well, (laughs) wait a minute. How does the earth make the oil? If this isn't rotting away dinosaur flesh or vegetation, then what is it? I think that's a good question. And here's the answer. The earth is methane core. That methane is getting under more and more pressure all the time as the earth cools. The center core becomes more and more pressurized. Under that pressure, it's got to find a way to release that pressure. It forms cracks in the Earth's surface. It's expanding the Earth's uh, molten core, and it's trying to get out. And it's got a long way to go to get to the surface. And when it starts working its way through, it'll hit something like carbon, like a layer of decaying vegetation. Okay, then it'll pick up a carbon molecule. When it hits a body of water buried underground, it picks up a hydrogen molecule. So now you've got methane, hydrogen, and carbon. Hydrocarbon, anybody? It's under intense heat and pressure, and it's trying to escape. When all that comes together, it's under such heat and pressure. It fuses into one when that happens and it cools, you've got oil. That's exactly how it's made. Just re- just Google abiotic oil and read all about it. Now, let's say we nuke that out, we have a fight. It's like this, we have Sunnis in Saudi Arabia and lots of other places, including Turkey and the northern side of the Mediterranean Sea. Those people are going to take over Europe. This is a prediction that I'm making right now. The Muslims are going to take over Europe. And how are they going to do it? By guns and weapons? They don't have to. They're outpopulating them You know, it's like eight to one. And if a Muslim man has multiple wives and each one of them has eight kids, you can easily see that it won't take long for them to take over Europe. They'll just simply outpopulate it, they don't have to fire a shot. So that's what's happening. That deadly wound in that beast is healed. And it's coming back bigger and stronger than ever before. You know, they even have a pay system where they pay their people over the Internet. It's not only a religion. It's a government. It's a government. And it is controlled by the people um, that are the imams and stuff like that. Well, now you've got a faction that's Sunni. And you got another enemy faction, it's still Muslims, called Shia or the Shiites. The Shiites are kind of old school, hardliners. They're the kind that will chop off a child's hand for stealing a loaf of bread, stuff like that. And um, they don't get along well with the cool, comfortable, rich. Um, Sunnis, and then you've got people like Erdogan, and I apologize if I've mispronounced that name. He's the the pres, excuse me, the president of Turkey. He's trying to unite them all together with him at the helm. He's going to be the caliph. He's trying to form a caliphate of the old Ottoman Empire. And so, he will be their leader, or maybe that's what he he thinks or plans. It could be his his son as well, or later on. I don't know. I don't know. But I predict myself, and this is me talking, this isn't... uh, what I'm saying is based on the Bible, but it doesn't come right out and say that Erdogan will be this guy or that. No, 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 no. But the general basis of prophecy is the Bible. It doesn't come from the Quran or any other place, period. It comes from the Bible. Now, Let's say it did happen. Let's say they nuke it out and Medina gets bombed with a nuclear weapon and don't think they don't have nuclear weapons. They've already got them. They've already got them in Pakistan and probably in Iran as well. And if they don't, they can just truck them in at night or put them on the train track that leads from Moscow to Tehran and get them and the technology that goes with it. So don't think for a minute that they're not going to acquire nuclear weapons, because I predict that they certainly will, and they're going to use them over the oil fields. Take, for example, we've got the Shiites in Tehran or in Iran, we've got next door to them heading west is uh, Iraq, and then we've got the Sunnis in Saudi Arabia. That's where they're located. But they're also going to be in the northern and southern sides of the Mediterranean, the top of Africa. That's all Muslims. And the the Europeans are going to be outstripped and replaced with Muslims. That's another one of my predictions, based on the Bible. So just imagine what it'd be like if they did nuke it out, and these nuclear weapons fall on the oil fields. What's going to happen? Well, we're going to have verse 2, of chapter 9, Revelation. And he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Let's say, you know, uh, we we don't do our homework as Americans. And I've said that many times before. The reality is that if... Uh, we did any geological studies at all, like going to the Brookings Institute and typing in, where's the oil? We would find that that oil is not buried hardly at all, maybe 25 feet down. (laughs) Big deal, 25 feet, that's, you know, the top of a telephone pole. Or maybe it's 100 feet down, that's the distance between two telephone poles. That's not very far. Don't you think a hydrogen weapon or even an atom bomb would blow enough sand away to expose that oil? Do you know that some, in some areas, it's on top of the ground already. It's exposed to the air. The oil is gurgling and burgling up from the ground, forming pools of oil. If that gets set on fire, it is a bottomless pit because the earth keeps making it and spewing it upwards, trying to relieve that pressure I spoke of earlier. If it gets set on fire, there's no putting it out. Day after day, that smoke, that billows, can you imagine huge billows of smoke going up many miles into the air? Solid black smoke. It's going to cover the earth and cover the sun and fill the air with unbreathability. You can't breathe that smoke and live. So that's really pretty scary and ugly, pretty scary and ugly. As the earth turns, the sky is going to grow darker and darker by the day. Until the point where it's the night. It looks like night. I want to take you to another scripture. This one's in John. Um, I think it's in 9. And long about verse 4. Let me just track that down. Yeah. This is Jesus' own words. I, or we, must work the works of him that sent me. That's God the Father. While it is day, the night comes when no man can work. Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. You ask your pastor what he thinks that means. John 9, 4. Write that down. John 9, 4. Go write it down and ask your pastor what the what he thinks that means the night comes when no man can work imagine the scene it's nighttime or it looks like nighttime wherever you go on earth the air is unbreathable you're not going to drive to work your car won't run in that stuff air travel <laughs> forget it how about the sea will anybody be going to work not according to jesus the night comes when no man can work do we do we get that do we realize how serious that is that means there'll be no more, no more crops and no more rain you can't form clouds without sunlight If that sunlight is blocked, guess what happens? No more clouds. Instead, we'll have black smoke. That's going to form night. The night comes when no man can work. Serious, very serious. I want to take you to um, Isaiah 24 and listen to this. This is... Really, really scary stuff. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty. What does that mean? No more life. Scary stuff. And makes it waste. He turns it upside down. Whoa. And scatters abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest; as with the servant, so with his master. You see, it levels the playing field for everybody. We're all in the same boat, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. As with the maid, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As of the, or as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled. The Lord has spoken this word. Verse three, I mean uh, verse four. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth now languish. What does that mean? Well, it means they're panicked, they're worried, they're scared, they're starving. The earth is also defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, and broken the everlasting covenant they had with God. And I added that last part, that they had with God. Therefore, the curse devours the earth, verse 6, and they that dwell therein are desolate and found guilty, according to the A.V. version. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, huh, and few men left. Now, by that time, there may be 10 billion people on the planet And only a few million of them will survive this. The new wine mourns and languishes. The vine languishes. All the merry hearted sigh. The mirth of the tabrets ceases. The noise of them that rejoice ends. The joy of the harp ceases. They shall not drink. In other words, the music. Think about all the music that you have heard in your life and enjoy. What's going to happen? It's going to go still. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. Get this, verse 10, chapter 24 of Isaiah The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up. Did you get that? Wow. That no man may come in. People are holed up in their houses. There is a crying because of the wine in the streets. That is the fact that it's missing. And all joy is darkened. There's that word again, darkened. The mirth, or joy, of the land is gone. The city is left, um, in the city is left desolation, and the gate thereof smitten with destruction. Dropping down to verse 18. And it shall come to pass that he that flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into a pit. Why? Why well, he can't see. It's dark out. He's trying to breathe, trying to keep something over his mouth and nose, but he can't do that and see where he's going. And he that comes up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in a snare. For the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth do shake. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. For more of that, you can go to Ezekiel 38 and verse 20. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard. (laughs) What's that going to do? Cause a great massive earthquake worldwide and shall be removed like a cottage. (laughs) Well, it's going to tear down every wall. Every wall, the walls of my house and yours, the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it. It shall fall and not rise again, at least not like it was. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together like the tares of the field. Hmm as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in prison and after many days revisited. Then the moon shall be confounded and the sun ashamed when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before his ancients gloriously. So, yes, the earth will be devastated, but the saints will be resurrected and join Jesus in cleaning up the mess and making the world beautiful again. For more of that, we go to chapter 35. The wilderness and solitary place shall be glad for them and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and Rejoice even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. So with these words, strengthen one another and prepare yourself for some real trouble that's coming with the hope that. Also coming is our Lord and Savior and soon coming King Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more, you can go to my website Jesus is why That's or use the other title i tell why.com. You can read my eight books there. You can get video links to YouTube videos that are faith-building. This word of God means business. This is the real deal. It's not fake. It's not cheap. It came at a price, and it's a big price, a heavy price. Jesus paid the penalty in our stead. Why? so that we might join him in his family and be ready to reign and rule with him on this earth. So go there and read my books and learn and grow. And if you'd like to teach me something, please do that. Just email me at jesusisy at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Elbert Hardy. Keep looking up.